Welcome to Girlfriends Pray. We are a prayer ministry for women where our mission is to draw more women closer to God through prayer. We would like to welcome you to our series on mental wellness. In this series, we are focused on the elements of prevention, intervention, and support. Within the African American community, there is the belief that no matter how great the burden, prayer is the answer. While we as women of faith know and understand the power in prayer, we also know that God gives wisdom to trained mental health professionals to support us through difficulties. The purpose of this series is to educate our sisters on the importance of maintaining mental wellness as well as open the conversation around treatment. We hope you enjoy the series and that you will share it with someone. Hi, amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Go right ahead. All right. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's, uh, you know, let, we don't want to let folks leave here today. In fact, let me just interject and say, um, you know, we thank God for prayer and we thank God for Minister Kim Fuller leading us today, but we want to keep going. We wanted to have this opportunity to not um, to, to actually for us to be more responsible. Um, so we know God and we know prayer, but we know there are some mental illnesses um, among us in the season that are heavier in this season. So we don't want anybody to leave the line. We want you to stay right here. We want you to go and invite somebody back right now. Um, we're going to have a discussion. Uh, Kim Fuller is going to lead us in a discussion, um, but don't go. We need you to stay and invite somebody on the line. Why? We're going to have a brief conversation about just getting over, getting through, um, and and the bridge between now and the next few days, the next week, the next few months, and a really heavy season. If uh, you came to this line today and you know that you needed prayer today because um, maybe it is that you um, are managing and challenged with holiday heaviness, let's say, or holiday blues, or holiday highs and then lows. Um, Maybe it is right now you are managing for uh, grief and depression Um, here on this line. We are going to have a brief conversation in terms of how do you get through that. Um, Maybe it's you and maybe it's not you. Here's why we want you to stay and then um, just nudge somebody, text somebody, call somebody, invite them to the line because maybe it's your girlfriend, maybe it's your nephew, maybe it's a niece, maybe it's your mom, your sibling, a colleague, a coworker, your neighbor, invite them to the line right now. It may not be you, but it's somebody else. You're concerned about somebody in your family, a friend, like I said, a colleague, a coworker, maybe somebody who's not picking up the phone, or maybe they're not moving around, or maybe they're not showering, not getting dressed. 
um, over this holiday. It's a heavy one. It is the the season of where and which Girlfriends Pray was born um, and birthed in this season. It was because this can be a heavy season for some people. And the one uh, thing that I love about um, how it is that God birthed Girlfriends Pray, it was really because um, 33 women gathered um, because they needed prayer. Uh, there was some of us who were doing well um, at the time, myself included, but, you know, uh, what God laid on my heart is, you know, if you're doing okay, just pray for your sister who may not be um, okay. Say amen, somebody. You, If you're doing well, you just want to be here and stand in the gap for somebody who is not doing um, well. Say amen, somebody, if that's you. You are doing well. You are fine and well. And so for those on the line who you are fine and you are well and God has blessed you um, and you are you have never been as healthy as you are right now in this season you're just here to stand in the gap for the others or you invite somebody else on the line this morning and then we're going to go into this discussion um, all right, and we're going to just uh, as I mentioned we have a brief discussion about what do you do to get through what do you do to get over? What do you do for the one, um, and if it's you, who you, you, you just want to wake up um, on the other side of January um, because maybe it is that you are struggling with um, separation, loss, grief, depression. Maybe um, your loss is not the loss of a loved one, a physical death, but maybe it is a separation. Say amen, somebody, a separation, and guess what? Maybe it's not a separation of your love, of your um, your spouse or a breakup. Maybe it's a separation of a job. Maybe it's a separation of a friendship. Is this making sense, somebody? Say amen. If it's making sense, if this is helpful, if you know you need this conversation and you need it for somebody else, um, just say amen, somebody. We're going to try to manage this as best we can. We're going to ask some questions, have a conversation, and then if you have questions, we're going to invite you to um, uh, to ask your question at the end. All right? Say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. We bless God. We bless God this morning. If you're on the bat line, if you're here and you have access to the bat line, can, let me let me just see you here. Let me see who's here. Okay, because uh, what we are doing here is being responsible, uh, an attempt to be more responsible with uh, what women need and what women want and where folks are. So just uh, say amen, somebody. Okay, thank you. Amen. I see you. Thank you so much. Um, if you are here, you're on. thank you so much. Oh, you know what? I thank you, gorgeous. Okay, I see you. If you are here and you have access to the bat line, can you just let me see you here? I just want to see you here. I just need a few of y'all to touch and agree with the purpose and the intent here is we're going to pray, but we're also going to be, we've already prayed, but we want to be responsible. We want to be responsible. We want to be responsible with if we need something else, if we need more, we want to be responsible with that. So, um, all right, I'm going to hand this back to you, um, Kim, and then Reverend Sharon. Are you here? Reverend White, are you here? Let's see. We're going to get them back in. Can you hear me? 
Can you hear me? I can hear you. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. This is Reverend Sharon White. Yep, Good yep, morning. yep. Good so, morning. so awesome. All right, I'm going to hand this back to you. Um, thank you so much, Reverend White. We thank God for you. Thank God for your gift. And we thank God for your service. We thank God for your ministry. Um, but we also thank God for the work and the service um, and the business that is your counseling practice that God allowed you to do the right work. Um, to be qualified here, and, and we like to make the distinction, um, you know, we thank God for the ministers and we thank God for the pastors um, at the church, um, but I'll say this um, and take one for the team, but not the pastor's job is to is to preach and teach the gospel, and they've been anointed as such. Not all pastors are qualified um, to speak to your mental health and wellness uh, challenges, but then there are ministers uh, like Reverend White who is qualified. This is the work that she does, and so we just wanted to make sure that you are aware she is an MSS and LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker. So she does this work and is qualified as such. So, Kim, I'm going to hand this back to you, and we just thank God for um, your service as well. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much, uh, Dee. Uh, yes, we are going to start our session we have our very own Reverend Sharon White. She is one of our uh, intercessors, so you are all so very familiar for her, uh, familiar with her. But um, Reverend White, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to go ahead and share just a little bit about yourself, your um, business, and um, the work that you do. Sure. Good morning, and thank you so much for inviting me to come this morning. I'm really appreciative. I'm very passionate about mental wellness, and so when we talk about things like depression and um, even suicidality, things like that, it is an area that I'm very, very um, passionate about addressing, um, and especially in the Christian community, but at large, quite frankly. So I am, again, Reverend Sharon White. I am, a, as, as already said, I have a master's degree in uh, social social work from Bryn Mawr uh, Graduate School. Um, I have to say one of the finest graduate schools in the country, uh, not just by me known, but uh, across the country known. Uh, and also uh, I have an LCSW from the state of Pennsylvania, which means I can diagnose and treat people with mental health issues, um, not just um, depression, but uh, of various kinds of mental health issues. And I've been in this field for 27 years, I think it is, and also, Amen. in addition to having the uh, thank you, in addition to having the L, the uh, um, graduate degree, I also am a licensed, uh, excuse me, certified biblical counselor. So I've gone through training to also provide biblical counseling for issues. Um, that program, I would say, does not uh, prepare you for mental illness, but prepares you for counseling of other kinds of uh, lighter issues. But I just wanted to put all that out there, and so. I do have a, um, a business called uh, Sharon, White, Sharon D. White Connection, LLC, um, and I do a variety of things with that business. Um, and so that's, that's in a nutshell who I am. I will also say that I am certified in an international program called Mental Health First Aid, which trains uh, non-professionals on understanding mental illness, how to interact with someone who has mental illness, to reduce the stigma of mental health issues and mental illness in hopes that we can help the world to be more accepting and understanding of mental illness 
and therefore be a safe place for people to be honest about when they struggle. One of the uh, areas I'm really focused on is uh, the Christian community and using mental health first aid to educate pastors, Christian leaders about, again, mental health so that the church can be a safe place for its members and those who are not members but who find safety and security in the church. And I'm certified in several areas. I'm certified in adults, uh, uh, college students, and um, older adults. So that's the, that's the scope of my training when it comes to mental, illness, mental health and mental wellness. And, again, it is my passion. Amen. So thank you for having me this morning. Amen, amen. As you know, we wanted to um, bring this uh, topic up. It's very dear to my heart because, one, I do suffer from um, post-traumatic stress disorder. I also have anxiety and depression that I deal with and I do seek counseling. So it's always something that is also very, very dear to my heart. And I like to have various open dialogues about this topic. So when we think about it, uh, Reverend White, when we talk about just the seasonal change, like for me, it took me a while before after I lost my first son when he was five and a half months old, I had realized and didn't understand why. I would get depressed more in this holiday season. Um, Mm -hmm. Even after, you know, of course, the first few years I was uh, crying forever. But even after Mm -hmm. that, I didn't understand why all of a sudden there was a shift when Mm -hmm. winter came. And Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to figure it out that it was about not just the loss of my son the loss of Mm -hmm. my marriage and the loss of my uh, stepdaughter who I had raised since she was eight months old that I no longer could be in her life anymore. And then that Mm -hmm. just gave me an eye opener. So I really wanted to talk about that specifically because we're in that season where you see a lot of, we're hearing about um, celebrities committing suicide recently and a lot of depression and a lot of people are unfortunately, um, passing away during this season, which makes it very, very difficult. So could you talk more about that transition when we get into, like, the winter blues? Well, I think a couple things come to mind. Um, Number one, um, when we talk about the holiday blues in general, that that can happen to anyone, even people who don't have a what we call a chronic depression. Holiday blues can happen because of things like sadness, loneliness, anxiety, depression. It can be situational based on financial stress. You know, all the things that the holiday represents to many people, when you talk about gift giving, having money to do different things, sometimes just the financial strain of that can cause the holiday blues. It's like every time the holiday approaches. um, And and by the way, holiday blues usually happens around the beginning of November through uh, January. But, But again, when you talk about holiday blues in and of itself, it could be anything related to a very hectic holiday schedule where people are not sleeping well because of increased stress, workloads, things like that, Um, isolation again, um, unrealistic expectations that other people might have on on yourself or unrealistic unrealistic expectations that you might have on yourself. So so I want to separate that out from the kinds of grief issues that can cause holiday blues. So now we're talking about the fact that during the holiday season, it, it, it uh, uplifts uh, the losses that you've had uh, in the past. So 
if the holiday was a time of joyfulness normally in a marriage and now you don't have that marriage anymore, the holiday is going to bring about a sense of uh, sadness because in essence what we're talking about is grief. Grief gets elevated. Mm -hmm. Grief grief, uh, shows up greater during the holiday season. So uh, it's not surprising that that would be the time when the loss of a marriage, the loss of a a person, the loss of relationships, uh, multiple losses get elevated. You you start to experience it sometimes in uh, in those seasons. And then also uh, what happens is many times every holiday can bring about those same feelings. So it's not just Christmas, but it could be, any holiday, and then if you factor in if there were any kind of um, holiday tradition that uh, one experienced with the person that, that you lost, that also gets elevated during that time. So, so those are the different kinds of ways of looking at holiday blues. Some of it has nothing to do with grief and loss, and then some of it does. And so lifting those right. differences is really important, being honest about, hey, I'm really struggling here. Let me, let, me, let me get some help to figure out what is really happening for me. Why is Every time November 1st comes around or November the 15th comes around, I start to feel different. I start to feel the sadness that I can't explain. Nothing happened right now, but that's what's happening with me. Then it very well could be holiday blues. Right, right. And that's kind of what I would experience as well. And as life would go on, other, other losses um, would take place that would com- compound that um, stress, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, like we had that house fire. That only compounded the stress of yes. loss and um and in this season as well. Um, can when it comes to suicide, what would be some of the key things that we need to be mindful of, or even if there's anything that we can look out for? Because I know most of it, you know, a lot of times when it happens, it's always out of surprise. Like we, it was another gentleman celebrity recently who um, committed suicide and no one that was close to him um, expected something like this. So, you know, what I would say is a couple things. One, um, I would say that people probably did see people close to him probably did see some of what I call symptoms but may not have understood that it could lead to suicide. Um, I would mm-hmm. say that suicide is definitely tied to depression, and it's mm-hmm. usually tied to a more chronic um, depression, but it is tied to depression. So what, what we would say is uh, if you want to really try to understand what you're looking at, you look at the signs and symptoms of depression and the intensity of it, and is it getting worse? So what are the signs mm-hmm. of depression because, again, that's what leads to suicide is depression, right? And so you look for the signs. Are you noticing that somebody's uh, uh, gaining or losing weight over a short period of time that they're not trying? There's no effort. It's happening, right? Are you noticing that people are, are, have a change in their sleep patterns? Are they sleeping too much? Are they not sleeping enough? Are they up 3 o'clock in the morning all the time? And there's no reason for that. It's not work-related. You know, it's not task-related. Um, you also pay attention to this. Do they have sort of an irritated mood? Do they, do they have like an overall sadness that they can't explain? Do they also sometimes um, seem more tired than usual? Um, and it's usually the tiredness can be connected to emotional uh, tiredness. 
that translates into physical mm-hmm. tiredness because maybe again they're not sleeping. Does this, does this person have a loss of uh, pleasure in things that they normally enjoy? Um, is this person uh, 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 talking about giving away valuable things that normally they would never think of giving away? Like, you know, you want to look at those uh, 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 things about depression. Um, does the person also have a difficult time concentrating? Are they expressing or demonstrating any feelings of uh, uh, changing their sense of self-worth? Do they also uh, just kind of uh, seem tense or worried? So you want to look at those kind of things. And I would say again um, that most times somebody, at least one person, close to that person has seen some of these things but did not understand what they were looking at. That's why it's important right. to educate people about depression. Um, I, there's no way somebody didn't see something. Now, again, not putting it together. So there's no way to predict that somebody's going to be suicidal unless they can be honest and say it. But that's why you have to, again, look for the signs and symptoms of depression. Um, right, and, and, and I think and, that's very okay. key. No, I was just agreeing that, that what you were saying is key. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so I think that's what I would say. Let me say this also. I think there's been such stigma and shame about mental illness um, that people won't even be honest with their loved ones when they're struggling. And that's what makes it hard to help somebody. And that's why we have to make it, make it easier for people to be honest and not stigmatize depression and not think people think it's something wrong with them when they give you a window to know that you're not doing well. Because that's what happens sometimes. And I'm going to say this, especially in the Christian community, many times we want to tell people to pray it away, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I love prayer. You, you know I love prayer. I believe in prayer. That's why I joined this ministry to help. But, but praying it away is not the answer. Now, sometimes God will supernaturally heal a, a people of mental illness, but I promise you most of the time there needs to be some intervention. There needs to be some understanding that that person cannot do it alone. And I think we have to give people space and opportunity to say, I am not doing well. And that's oftentimes what people don't do out of fear that they don't know what to do. Many times family members will will, will pick up and not say anything because they don't know what to do out of fear or they're afraid of what might happen. But that fear demobilizes us from helping people who really need the help. We got to give people space and time to say, I'm not doing well without stigmatizing them, without saying, well, you're, without, uh, without suggesting um, that they're not a good Christian if they're depressed, without suggesting that the Bible in one hand is the answer. Mm. you got to give people and space so and pay true. attention. I was just going to say that someone said that to me once. Um, they said, girl, you know the word. You're a Christian. You know the word. You better read your Bible. And I, just, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. Right, I do mm-hmm. know the word, but mm-hmm. that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. And also, Kim, uh, Minister Kim, um, sometimes depression is biochemical and people don't understand that. So I can't just snap out of it. If, there is a, if there's a biochemical reason, because depression can be situational, right, based on something that has happened in our lives, it can be a biochemical, meaning that the, the, there is something happening uh, and I don't like to use a lot of the uh, uh, real technical medical terms, so I'm just going to say biochemical. Again, the neurons and the eons and all that in the brain um, are, are, uh, are not stabilized, and so it can cause a depression, for lack of a better use of real technical terms. 
But the bottom line is those kinds of situations are not ones that you could tell somebody to snap out of. No, we got to help somebody to get some help <laughs> and not, not make them feel like it's something wrong with them. Again, if you're a Christian or you're a minister or you're a pastor and you're struggling, no, the struggle is real. And we have to help some people to know that we welcome them being honest with us. We got to welcome, I'm going to say it again, we got to welcome people being honest with us. And not that you have to have the solution, but that you can point them or support them in getting the help that they need. And that's one of the benefits of mental health first aid, by the way. We teach you how, what to say to people. We teach you five steps on how to engage somebody who has a mental health issue. And we teach you how to engage someone who is having suicidal thoughts. Not that, we're the, not that you are the answer unless you're a trained professional like me, but we teach you how to support somebody to get the right help. We've got we to gotta make it possible for people to be honest. Yes, uh, that's something I actually wanted to um, get as well. So please share that information just in case um, anyone that's listening today would like to get that training if they message us or email us at um, admin at girlfriendspray.org, we would definitely share that training information. So please um, share that with me after the call so that um, anyone who's interested, because I think that's very important. We have to know what to say and how mm-hmm. to support and encourage, mm-hmm. because, you know, that's one of my passions as well, is encourage. Mm-hmm. I'm very open um, in regards to my personal condition, that I do mm-hmm. take medication <laughs> to mm-hmm. keep me in, you know, keep me in my right, the right mind that I would want to be in to be so that I don't sink further into my anxiety or my depression mm-hmm. or that I'm mm-hmm. not overtaken by my post-traumatic stress disorder. Like all mm-hmm. of those things is very important and it is especially in the African-American community, it is a lot of stigma in regards to seeking counseling. Where other cultures, they will freely seek it, but we Mm -hmm. have so much stigma, as well as men. Men tend to, you know, they they feel like, it it appears, I can't say they feel like, but it appears that seeking out help or seeking out counseling sometimes is a threatening thing for them to do, like, They've been taught or trained. It feels like a sign of weakness. Yes, yes, yes. It it appears to them as a sign of weakness. Thank you. Let me say this. We need more people, Minister Kim, to be honest and say, that is my story, right? Like what you just said Mm -hmm. should encourage somebody when you say, I'm going to own the fact that I suffer with anxiety and depression and I seek treatment and I take medication. That, I promise you, your, your um, transparency about that is going to help somebody today and every time you open your mouth and say it. We need to be honest mm-hmm. about those things and say it. We really do. There's Absolutely. so many uh, Christian leaders who have committed suicide. And so, again, it, it, who know the Bible? It's not about the Bible knowledge. It's mm-hmm. about what happens underneath the skin. It's about exactly. what happens underneath the skin. Exactly. And let me just say exactly. this. I, I, I've been lately doing a lot of um, uh, presentations for uh, uh, women's uh, retreats and things like that. And one of the things that the Lord gave me to remind us of how important it is to get, to get help is this. In John chapter 5, the Bible says there's a lame man. And I'm not here to preach, but I just want to give us some context 
about why it's important to get help. The Bible says that there's a lame man who had been lame for 38 years laying by this pool, right? And so I would say to people that think about this for a second. Jesus comes along, and he, now, now, now obviously the historical perspective is that you got into the pool first. You got in the pool first, you would get healed. Whoever got in there first, the, the angel would stir up the water and all that kind of stuff. Right? I don't have time to really unpack that. But what I want to say is this. Jesus comes along and asks the man, do you want to be made well? And what I say to a Christian about mental wellness is the same thing. Do you want to be made well, or do you want to continue to be in the same condition? Because I promise you that when, I, when you look at that text, the man, the Bible says the man had been lame for 38 years, right? And that's 456 months, 13,879 days, right? You know that Jesus knew this man had to have some emotional distress about his condition. So when Jesus says, do you want to be made well, I don't believe it was just about the physical. We saw the physical manifestation, but Jesus had to know that this man also probably had some depression or how long he had been living like that. He had to have some grief or how long he had been living like that. He had to have some anxiety about how long he had been living like that. Listen, that man went to the pool every day. He made it to the pool every day expecting that maybe today would be my day. But every day somebody stepped in in front of him. Don't tell me that man didn't have resentment. Don't tell me that man didn't have bitterness. Don't tell me that man didn't struggle. But Jesus comes at the right time, which is he's always on time, and he asks the man a question. Do you want to be made well? And then he tells him something. Take up your bed and walk. Why am I saying that? Because if we want to be healed emotionally, if we want to deal with depression, and we want to see a decrease in depression and suicidality, we have to do the work like Jesus told the man. Jesus could have supernaturally healed him, and he did, but it was in the doing. If the man had not gotten right. up and did what Jesus said, he would not have been healed. You better talk that. So I, That's right. So I appeal, I appeal to us today. I appeal to us today. Right. Do, do, do you want to be made well? Do you want to deal with your depression? Do you want to be emotionally stable? If so, do the work. Amen. Amen. <laughs> no, that was good. That was right on time. That's the key. That's the key to healing. Do the work. Physically, emotionally, mm -hmm, mentally, mm -hmm. do the work. You have to seek mm -hmm. out treatment. And just like we would seek out treatment if we had a disease, if we had high blood pressure, yeah. if we had diabetes, if we had cancer, yeah. if we had anything else wrong with our mm -hmm. bodies, we would seek mm -hmm. out treatment. But when we have um, issues with our mental state, when our mental mm -hmm. state is not acting yeah. in accordance that it should, that's when we don't seek mm -hmm. out treatment. The most Absolutely. important and vital part of our entire existence, we can't function without our brain. We can't function Absolutely. without our mental state. That's the mm -hmm. one thing that we would choose to neglect. Mm -hmm. I thank you Absolutely. so much for pointing that out. Because that is the key, and that's why I'm very open about it, and I encourage it. Mm -hmm. I support it. I make sure, mm -hmm. like when we had all the tragedy in my family last year, I made, I helped, mm -hmm. I, I did the work for myself and my mm -hmm. family because mm -hmm. they were so burdened. Mm -hmm. I wanted to yeah. make sure that because I knew how easy it was to do it, I would go through the mm -hmm. paperwork, the logistics mm -hmm. of it. Now I need yeah. you to make the call. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's and good. And that's, that's the thing. That's so good. Yeah.
is that you have that's to so have good. a part in it. You have to want mm-hmm. this for yourself. So that's mm-hmm. the, that was my key to it is I'll get through the paperwork because it can be daunting. It can be disappointing. So I did everything I needed to do for them, even though, you know, my counselors, my therapist would say, well, Kim, what about you? I said, I, oh, I'm, I'm talking to you. But mm-hmm. I just need mm-hmm. to know how hard it is to get started. I want to be mm-hmm. able, as that caretaker in my family, to be able to, to hand them the final mm-hmm. number and you make the mm-hmm. call. That's good. That's so good. It's so oh. important. And let me say this also, if I might. I think that it's really important, and I'm, this is Girlfriend's Pray, so I know we're talking about, you know, faith and all that. So I want to say this. I think that every person who is listening to this call today, if your church, your place of worship, the place where you serve, does not um, talk about mental health and mental wellness, I encourage you to bring up the conversation with your leaders so that uh, because I, I tell you, I remember hearing um, church leaders, pastors, saying some pretty upsetting things to me from the pulpit out of ignorance about mental illness. And I said to myself, people will never tell you, sir, about their mental illness because you're stigmatizing them and you don't even know it. So at, proper education from the church leadership is so vital. Not that they're going to be therapists, but that they can help people support people to get to the safe place of getting help. So if you're in a place where you, your leadership, your church does not talk about mental wellness and I approach it from the perspective of mental wellness, then I encourage you to talk to leadership and really implore them to start the conversation, bring in some uh, experts to talk about it in a way that can help everybody to be less stigmatizing and more supportive so that the church can really be that hospital helping people to get where they need to be so that Again, we can decrease the amount of untreated depression and the amount of suicidal uh, uh, experiences that we see every day. Amen. Thank you so much for mentioning that. And that's a good um, point to shift. And um, so I pray that everyone do take that at heart and um, question their spiritual leadership for that in the church because it's desperately needed. But right now I want to switch in for a Q&A. Um, so I want to invite anyone that may have a question for Reverend Sharon to um, hit star six, um, come in and say just your first name or any name you want to um, so that I can acknowledge you. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I am Minister Carol Wilson. I'm one of those who intercede on the prayer line. I just want to bless God for you, Reverend Sharon. Thank you. This is so needed. There's not, nobody like God. God is Amen. such an untimely. I personally yeah. have people listening who are right now trying to get them situated to get help. And you're so mm. correct. I, what it is about men, Sister Kim, that they think it's a problem for them to get help. If you need help, mm-hmm. it's there. Get help. It's better for you, for the family, for all those who are attached mm-hmm. to you. So I bless mm-hmm. God for that. Kim, I love you so much. You know that. <laughs> I love you so much. You are just one of my heroines. I've watched you go through Thank so you. many things last year, and you just held it together. But you told the truth. You admitted yeah. that you were struggling. But I just want to say openly, for me, the first step is just to say I need help. 
my mother is on, mm-hmm. my, my, my children are on. When I'm not having a good day, I think Theo is on. When I'm not having a good day, I say I'm not having a good day. I don't feel good mm-hmm. right now. I feel like checking out. Mm-hmm. I have said that many times. Mm-hmm. My daughter is a social worker, mm-hmm. so when I say that she gets nervous and she starts telling me what to do, this, that, whatever. But listen, this thing is real. When we are traumatized through the loss of a marriage, when we are traumatized with a fire in our house, when we are traumatized with folks saying stuff that they don't know about, ostracizing us, this is real pain. So it's when we're traumatized mm-hmm. on our own family members, kids, as a villain, it's terrible. It's terrible. So I just want to yeah. encourage everyone, if you took the initiative to be on the score, I just want to be brave enough to say you're thinking that you just might need some help. Just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and Amen. do it. Bless God for the opportunity. Uh, Dr. D.C., God bless you. I just thank God thank for the visionary. So bless you, Dr. D.C. God bless you now and forever. Amen. Um, Amen. Thank you so much, Minister. Minister. Go ahead. I hear you, Theo. Can you hear me? This is Theo. Theo. Yes. So, um, yes. Reverend White, thank you so much for the information, but I do have a question. Um, you know, I, I will openly say I have a therapist. I, at this point, believe my therapist is for preventative care to um, remain mentally stable because I have um, experienced situational depression. But one of the mm-hmm. things I struggled with when I was looking for a therapist was finding a therapist that takes insurance. So can you Mm -hmm. just talk a little bit about some of the resources that might be out there for people that find themselves in that same situation where they need a therapist, they're looking for a therapist, but they can't find someone that takes insurance and they really don't feel like they have the resources in order to afford to do it? Sure. That's a great question. Thank you so much, my sister. So the, the easiest way to find a therapist, um, who takes your insurance is to actually call the member services division of your health insurance. Every health insurance has a division for uh, behavioral health. And all you need to do is call your member services. It's usually on the back of your card or on the bottom of your card, depending upon your health insurance card, and it will say member services. You call that 1-800 or 888 number, whatever it is, and you tell them that you need a, a short list of behavioral health providers in your area. You can give them some qualifiers. Like if you want a Christian, you can say, I prefer a Christian counselor. If you want a woman, you can say, I prefer a woman. If you want a man, you can say, I prefer a man. Like you could give them some, a short list of qualifiers, and they should be able to provide you with a list of, 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 of providers who take your insurance where all you're going to have to pay is a copay rather than not be able to get services at all. That's the first way. The second way is this. Every county in the country uh, has what's called an Office of Behavioral Health. Every county has one. And they are responsible for the uh, mental health, behavioral health services in your county. And if people are underinsured or not insured for behavioral health services, the Office of Behavioral Health can provide resources for who they pay. They have, usually they have what we call a base service unit, like my organization, not my private practice, but my organization is one of the two base service units in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. So our Office of Behavioral Health pays us to serve people who do not have insurance until they can get them on Medicaid 
or some other insurance. So those are the two ways that I encourage people to try to find a provider that they can afford based on their insurance or lack of insurance. Really great question. Amen. Amen. I want to take two more questions. So if you can uh, star six and just state your name, good. and then I'll take your question. I want to get two pieces per people. Good. And your name. Good morning. Is? My name. Good morning. My name is Vera. And my question is: Vera. What are some re- yes? What are some recommendations to deal with sad? Well, it, it's it's basically, um, quite frankly the same kind of thing you would do to deal with depression. You would, one, you would get a therapist because if, if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't experience it for a long period of time. So the, the, uh, the fact that you have that, that condition that is not just a day or two, because, again, all of us can have a day or two of, of having uh, symptoms of uh, sad or depression or whatever we want to call it, anxiety. But if it's a longstanding troublesome condition, then you want to get a therapist. And you do it the same way I just described. Now, the other thing that you could do about things like SAD, honestly, is you could find a support group. Many local hospitals have support groups for SAD, depression, anxiety, grief and loss. So another option, if you don't want to go the individual therapy route, is to go to, to your uh, local hospital or your office of behavioral health again and ask them for a list of support groups. And that way you'll be with other people who experience the same kind of uh, mental health challenges and you'll get to hear the leader and the other people talk about what they do to get through that period because it is possible to get through all of this. You just have to have the right resources. Great question. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You're very welcome. Do we have one more person? If you have a question, you can hit star six and just state your name. While we're waiting, Minister Kim, can I just tell people that there's a national suicide hotline number that's very easy to use. The, the uh, government changed it. It used to be an 800 number. Now it is simply 988. No matter where you are in the country, if there's somebody, you yourself are feeling suicidal or you have somebody in your life who is feeling suicidal, the national suicide and crisis hotline number is very easy. It's 988. And I encourage everybody, even if you're not experiencing it now, to put that number in your cell phone. Put it in your phone a book so you don't have to guess how to find it when you find somebody in trouble. Amen. Thank you for that. Absolutely. All right. So doesn't seem like we have any more questions. I want to go ahead and invite our founder, Dr. D.C. Marshall, to come on in to close us for the, close this session. Dr. D.? Thank you so much, Minister Kim. Yep, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Reverend White, uh, thank you so much. I thank God for your talent, your gift, your skill, your commitment um, to be responsible with God's children in that, um, that you are qualified to do this. We've had you before, and you've always been such a wealth of information. And then I want to thank you, Minister Kim, you were so appropriate for facilitating today. I thank God um, for you and your gift and your ministry and you being um, transparent because it takes um, transparent leaders to then show us how to be uh, more comfortable and to normalize that we all have normal things that we go through. It's uh, mental abnormal, uh, abnormal 
um, uh, matters that we are talking about, but we all have them. So I just want to thank you, Minister Kim, for just talking about what's very real, particularly when you're a parent, uh, when you're a woman. You're a parent, you lose a child. When you're a woman who loses a spouse, when you are just a person and you maybe lose your house or you lose your home. So I thank you so much, uh, Minister Kim, and I thank you, Reverend White. So Reverend White, um, and for everybody, if you just join, we're going to do this again on Monday. Um, so we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have Reverend White. She's going to come back again on Monday immediately after the prayer call. We did this right now because um, we know that in this season, this is the time where too many um, too many, I would say, regrettable losses. Every loss is a, is a it, well, maybe not regrettable. It's a sad loss. Sometimes we live a full life and we lose loved ones, and it's a sad thing, but sometimes they are premature or what we would say premature, but I'm sure God would say, no, it's on my time. Um, we would call those regrettable losses or, you know, very heavy losses. And so we know that so many people are not well. We know a lot of people are very well, extremely well, and we wanted to be here to stand in the gap for those who may not be well or maybe just just challenging, challenged, and maybe it's challenged with, um, you know, just the season, just, just maybe overwhelmed. And by the way, I want to sum up what uh, Reverend White just shared, and I want to clarify what the last woman asked. Um, she asked about SAD. For those of you who may not know, it's seasonal affective disorder. And so seasonal affective disorder is seasonal depression. It happens uh, largely. It's known to happen between January and March, and that's when the days are shorter, um, uh, dark. Uh, the days are shorter, so there's more uh, less sunlight and um, and such, and so some folks have a seasonal affective disorder between January and March is a heavy, a heavy season. Um, even I think there's something called Blue Monday, and I think it's the third or some one of the Mondays in January. Um, a lot of people uh, challenged after the holiday, after all of the celebrations are done and over. A lot of people have a lot of guilt from spending, and now bills start to come in. I think that's uh, was one of the contributors to um, to that Blue Monday. Um, a lot of uh, deaths happen in uh, unfortunately in January. Separation, divorce happens in January. A lot of people wait until the holiday, and so we wanted to have this and respond really quickly as soon as we can we could. Um, and we thank God for leading us in this way to do what we. Uh, what needs to be done right now. So, so to do what needs to be done right now. And right now in this season, we knew that it was therapy. We knew that there was a um, a painful loss that we got to witness in the public domain, and it was baffling as to how a 40-year-old, a seemingly happy soul, a happy man, is dancing on one day and then dead on, by his own hands on the next day. And so that's why we wanted to do this. So I'm grateful for the leadership here at Girlfriends pray. Um, uh, I, I sent out a message to say, checking in on everybody, um, and I encourage you all to do the same. Send out a message and check in on your people, even uh, in your busyness, check in on all of your people, um, and because uh, the folks here at Girlfriends Pray, they responded that it would be helpful to have some support. That is why we did this call 
And so, um, so to sum up, and then I'm going to let you have the last word, Reverend, Reverend um, White, and, and then we'll come back on Monday um, for the same Q&A. We're going to do the same thing. Um, and so we're talking about d- depression. Here's what I heard Reverend White uh, said in, in summary. Depression, um, it can lead to suicidal ideation. So uh, it's not just depression and suicide. Uh, depression is about intensity, and she said it can lead to suicide, number one. Number two, uh, suicidal ideation and depression, they are chemical imbalances. I think she gave us plain lay, lay people's terms. It's, it's chemical imbalances, so you can't just snap out of it. Signs of depression she gave us, uh, you know, it's really about um, the intensity of the depression. So it might be sleeping a lot, withdrawal, excess uh, worry, um, it, or, and, and there's a number of signs, um, and you can even always Google that. So if you're trying to help other people. Um, and then so do's and don'ts, Reverend Sharon says, you know, don't say girl, pray. Uh, and I think Kim, Minister Fuller even mentioned that, you know, when people say, oh, girl, you pray or you know the Bible. Don't, don't throw the Bible in response to someone sharing that they are not feeling a hundred percent or not feeling like themselves or feeling feeling sad or feeling uh you know some kind of way our response is never girl uh just pray it's never just pray uh reverend white said don't don't say snap out of it if it's a chemical imbalance you can't snap out of it um hence uh the the reason i think we've seen the the probably one of the biggest um celebrity or suicides, not just one, but it's not about, you know, snapping out of it. Um, And then don't be the help, be the support to get them help. Let me say that again. We don't have to be the help. We just need to be the support to then get uh, folks help. So if there's a loved one or somebody in your family, um, you could be the support system, but we're not the help. We're not the, unless we're qualified to do the work. We're not the help, but we can be the support. We can listen and we can help create a plan, help find um, a support group, find a therapist, get people to therapy. I heard Reverend White say, for all of it, it's see a therapist. It really is see a therapist. Um, Theo Carter, our board president um, who came in, um, uh, as she mentioned, preventative. I do preventative uh, therapy as well. For me, it becomes uh, somewhat of a uh, it, it, and not that it is a joke, but it became comes a joke in between my mom and myself and my family because I like to see the therapy therapist. I like therapists so much, so my therapist threw me out because she said, "No, you're good. It's not that serious." But what she meant was, you know, it's for those of us who over therapy. We we do we do we do too much. And so, um, but like Theo, I believe in preventative therapy, and I'm typically the person if I see an issue in myself. I'll say, oh, I need to bring that to therapy. I'm going to bring that to my therapist. She, he can help me work that out or help me fix that. So um, so do look at therapy. Look at therapy for uh, preventative care. Um, I like what Minister Kim mentioned in terms of the support. She said she helped fill, figure out, uh, fill out the paperwork, and then they need to make the call. So whatever we can do to do that, um, to be the support. And also to... Um, uh, uh, allow space for people to be honest. And so if you hear people say that they have depression or they struggle with depression, um, just you could ask the question, um, how can I 
how can I support you? Not how can I help? How can I support? Um, I have a friend. In fact, I invited her to the call uh, last year. She mentioned being away, and uh, I noticed she said, oh, yeah, I do that to manage my depression. And I was so grateful that she shared that. Um, the next day I sent her flowers. She was so grateful. And she wasn't just grateful for the flowers. She was grateful that I responded to hearing her. Let me say that again. She wasn't just grateful for that, but she was for the flowers. She wasn't caught up in the flowers. She was grateful that somebody heard her and thought enough about her and it and it made her feel better so to be to be heard. So um so so I, I that's what I heard Reverend White share uh Reverend White I'm going to give you the closing uh the last words and then say we will be back here on Monday and here's what I want to share um everybody can you come on Monday Monday is like a holiday so I know waking up at 7 is probably not uh on your agenda but if you can get here by 7.15, because immediately after prayer, we'll go into this again. And can you invite some folks, invite, um, you know, invite your friend who may be without their parent for the first time this year. Invite your friend who went through a divorce or a breakup, okay? Invite your, um, your friend who lost their brother, okay? Um, invite uh, anybody who is having a hard time. Invite your folks who are without a job. You know why? Because they may see themselves in this conversation, okay? Um, you know, one of my girlfriends invites her whole tribe uh, here. She, she gets them on. She nudges them. You know, I do the same in the morning. I, um, in fact, I, I send out... Um, messages to my sister CEO circle, to my uh, Martha's Vineyard group. I, I, you know, I send out and whosoever will to Yummy Life 2.0. If you all are on the line, I sometimes share it with you. So can you all do the same? Because there is somebody who is not celebrating. Um, they're alone. They're lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're grieving. Uh, you know, even my family, you know, my grandmother's in the hospital right now, but we're, we're, we're well. We have clarity of thought. We have clarity of what, why she's there. Uh, I am managing and guarding against um, excessive worry uh, and, and things like that. So, and I'm probably going to talk a little bit more about that on Monday. And so, um, and then the last thing was the suicidal Suicide hotline is pound nine eight eight, um, and so Reverend White. Uh, let me see. Um, some of you, you need to be uh, um, support for your your sons. Uh, so invite the men to the line on Monday. Your your hubby, if you you all, if your husband, your father, your uncle, your nephew, your son, if you think that they might be going through a season, maybe they lost their job, maybe they lost something, um, uh, um, maybe they're just overwhelmed, uh, maybe they're showing up different. I had somebody say um, they're not sure what's going on with their spouse. Um, invite them to the line on Monday, all right? Okay, Reverend White, I know we're over time, so if you could go ahead and give the final word, and then we're going to go. I think what I would say is, um, and, and just a brief uh, summary, is that, again, we have to know that depression doesn't need to be stigmatizing. It should not be stigmatized, as, as no other mental health issue should be. 
I think what I would say is that pay attention to yourself, what's happening to you emotionally. Pay attention to your own struggles. Pay attention to the struggles of those around you. If you see or experience any of the symptoms that I already described, the overall sadness, the whole list of things I already described. And by the way, um, Dee, if you'd like, I'm happy to send you an email with um, the list of um, symptoms if, if it would be easier rather than people having to look it up. I'm happy to do that. Um, as well as the mental health first aid information, how to get trained. But I think if you are experiencing those symptoms or you know someone who is, don't turn a blind eye to it. Depression can successfully be treated. We can absolutely treat people with depression, whether it's an acute uh, situational depression or whether it's a chronic depression. Do not be afraid of treatment, whether it's psychotherapy. I know that it's been stigmatized, but psychotherapy and medication work. And we don't have to be stigmatized by it. And as uh, Kim, uh, Minister Kim said earlier, we, we take care of our physical bodies. We go to the doctor when we have a headache. We go get COVID tests. We do all that stuff. Do the same thing for your mental wellness. Fight. This is my last statement. Fight for your mental wellness and the mental wellness of those around you. Thank you. All right. Amen. God bless you, Amen. everybody. Have a wonderful rest of the day. And we'll be back here on Monday. Um, at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Remember, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says to pray without ceasing. God bless.